0: Let's uh, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're thankful, as always, for your word. And we ask that we would be a people of it in our private lives, wanting to know what you think, what you've done, what you promise. We'd ask that you'd bless us this morning in your son's name. Amen. We're at the end of Hebrews, chapter 13. It's one of those situations, like after Romans 11, get into the 12 at the end of the book, you get the author seems to jump into, I better cover a bunch of things about behavior. You know, the, the, the first line is, let brotherly love continue. It doesn't sound like it's a continuation of chapter 12's philosophy or theology about the faith. Then it talks about hospitality. Then it talks about visiting those in prison, and it says, "Like it's wrapping it up. It's like, okay, uh, what do I have to tell you?" Epigrammatic uh, goodnesses. But I want you to be aware that if you were listening, and some people think that Hebrews was originally a, a sermon, but into a a message. At the end of chapter 12, it says in verse 18, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers entreat that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. So we have not come to that, it says. What have we come to? It says in verse 22 But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to a judge who is God of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus. The mediator of a new covenant, and of the sprinkled blood that speaks more graciously than the blood of Abel. Okay, it tells you what you are not doing in Christianity, and it tells you what you are doing in Christianity. So that was a paragraph before this this chapter began, and it lets you know that we as Christians have come to Jesus, basically, distinct from priestcraft, distinct from temple observances distinct from earthly sacrifices no matter how sublime they may be some people look at that list the darkness, gloom, tempest the sound of the trumpet, the fear the banging of cymbals the, the, uh, 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 the dances of the, of the dervishes as they try to make an impression on their god, whether it's a pagan god or the true god, whatever the case people like that religion but we have not come to that. We have come to Jesus, who is the mediator of a new covenant. So when it says that, and then it says <coughs> in verse 28 of chapter 12, This is the the second to the last verse of chapter 12. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So it tells you what we have not done and tells you what we have done. It says we have not come to a touchable framework of earthly religion. We've come to something far greater, far more real, far less of a shadow, far less of a a pretend. And in that, there's an acceptable worship that we ought to be offering to it. Because this kingdom cannot be shaken, because it is not... You know, and putting your trust in an earthly denomination or an earthly temple or whatever else it may be. So that's when it says, let brotherly love continue. He just told you, I mean, you could have just said, well, he wrapped it up. He wrapped up this admonition that don't think of your religion in earthly frame, earthly kingdom terms. This is a heavenly kingdom. Our God is a consuming fire. We ought to offer him worship that ought to be. So is there a reason to think that in this list of practical, do-good, you know, Boy Scout motto sort of things, um, is this a a direct follow-on of do these things with reverence and awe that we offer... To God, acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So with reverence and awe, that if that was where you, you're, you're, you were told to be in how you function as a believer. And then it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge both the immoral and the adulterous. (coughs) Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never fail you nor forsake you. Hence, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you of the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Those all can be pulled out as individual sayings that you can put on your refrigerator. Bible memory verses, um, uh, admonitions of a, of, a, of a solid life list. These are good things like the fruit of the spirit. But I want you to be thinking that you, with reverence and awe, are supposed to be offering acceptable worship. And when it tells us in Romans, back in, you know, you know the passage, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Your spiritual worship, your, the way you sacrifice yourself in your life. So when it tells you very clearly, the whole book of Hebrews, if you have not read it recently, is this conflict, which is true in Galatians, true in Romans, true in Acts, between the Judaizers, the people that wanted to draw Christians back to Jewish observances, earthly religion, priestcraft, all the things that are so promising out of that, work so well. And to inform them that, no, that is so inferior, it is obsolete, it has passed away, God has done something in Christ that has made a different kind of religion. And that's how he concludes chapter 12. And he tells you to offer an acceptable worship. Now, in part, part of what I think this is a very encouraging passage, coming out of a warning, and when you pick up these things with reverence and awe, when you look at that list and say, brotherly love, the admonition is to have continued, hospitality to strangers, because you know that each one of these things. When you don't, with reverence and awe, look at them and say, this is how I worship. I could could replace this with enough priestcraft. If I had enough, oh, I could do a great job on it if I could just have priests who would let me come and tell them how I did it wrong and they would forgive me. No, that's not how it's supposed to work. Our religion is supposed to be standing before the real, not the shadow, and offering him Things you have thought out because you were transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God. What is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is good, acceptable, and perfect to let your love continue. Because you know you like selecting when you love. You know that you can't consider yourself a loving person because you loved once. Ever met somebody who is just like imminently selfish? but they always have reference to that one time they shared. Because it's proof. They're not, except they are, all the time. So if you these things are not continuing, if brotherly love is what you choose when that's going to happen, no, let it continue. You're supposed to be in this way, with reverence and awe. This is, this is the religion that you've joined when you joined Christianity. You didn't join a cool 2,000-year-old high gothic, flying buttressed uh, ritual of of tradition, you join this. Continued brotherly love. Hospitality, which is great. We had to put up the Watermans for the weekend. (laughs) And we don't get any points, because they're not strangers. So that will never happen again. I'm going to pursue righteousness. (laughs) And... Not accept any of my friends over at my house. No, the, we, we know that we like showing hospitality to our people that we enjoy, right? We already know them. Now they can trust them not to steal the silver. We left, leave stuff lying around in our house. So when it tells you to show hospitality to strangers, it's pulling on a thread in you that you thought you had worked out a pretty good arrangement about your ethical framework, Right? I'm, I'm, I'm free with my stuff. I have people over. Everyone you know. What about people you don't know? Do not neglect this. It doesn't say you have to go into the ministry of looking around town for some homeless guy and taking him home and bathing him in the family tub <laughs> just because it's got to be just awful. you just got to do something really awful for it to be a sacrifice. No, don't neglect this. When the circumstance comes to you, if your thought is, if I knew him better, you just said, if he wasn't a stranger. And it told you to not neglect this because some thereby have entertained angels unawares. People they didn't know when Abraham ran out at the Oaks of Mamre or Manoah This man in the field who ends up being an angel, making dinner for him. We're supposed to be this way. Visiting those in prison. No, this is not having a prison ministry. A prison ministry is a good thing. This is not a prison ministry. If you want to go to the prisons and talk to the the sinners who are grave sinners, that's why they're in jail. They were so sinful. Even the secular authorities decided they were sinful. And they had to be removed from the general population. These are believers in prison. Those who are ill-treated, since you are also in the body, it says these are basically your Christian brothers who have been put in prison. Or who are being ill-treated. Because you share a body life with them, remember them. Continue with your love. Show hospitality to strangers visit the saints who are being persecuted, let marriage not be defiled with either immorality or adultery. Now, when you start to analyze, remember the reverence and awe, considering these things, you begin to realize that that this is pretty much Getting in the way of everything you were doing actively in your pursuit of a happier life. Because it also throws in money. Keep your life free from the love of money. That's all we do. It's love money. There are churches based on that, right? You, how much stuff you can get out of God. Now I like money. It says in the scriptures, money answers everything. It's true. With a love of money, you know it doesn't. Wanting Why, why do you want money? Here, there's a pretty pictures on it. Let me check, see if I have any. I think they're putting Harriet Tubman on a $20 bill to keep us from loving money. But you look at Alexander Hamilton on a 10. I do have a 10. You say, he's a little too wealthy for a pastor. <laughs> Hamilton, who's very trendy in Broadway right now, is uh, very good looking. But that's not the sort you know, we're not, we're not collecting nice engravings. We're, wh- wh- why is this? This is a 10. This is a 1. They're about the same size and the same degree of quality of engraving and paper. You want this more than you want this. Why do you want this more than you want this? Because this will buy you more stuff. You get more gum at Walgreens for this. Okay, I'm to reach the twins back there. This is a, it. Represents it's an exchange. Money, the love of it, is because you know that that's the simplest way for you to measure how are your wants being met. And it says, be content with what you have. This really gets in the way of a lot of things. You know that love, when you tell your brotherly love to continue, the body of Christians here, the the saints are to face one another and to be engaged in granting good to the other. Hospitality to people that you wouldn't naturally want in your home. going out of your way to recognize those who are in trouble with the law because they're christians and you're going to you're going to step out and reveal that you're one of them too because you're going to go visit i hope it's not me but you know maybe the bishop ends up in prison and i want you to visit me and not be going well you know i i don't want to lose my job have you ever thought of doing that that you didn't want to say something on the facebook that might be too uniquely Christian, because they probably check those things in employment circumstances these days? Are you kind of radicalized Christian, you know, terrorist, bomber? Are we willing to stand up with those that are being persecuted? Are we willing to stand up for marriage, our own marriage, because there are so many things that are assailing marriage right now that you feel it individually, as a woman or as a man, Everybody is saying, these vows are too archaic. These ways of living together that the scriptures speak of, it it doesn't understand our egalitarian culture or our lust-driven culture, whether it's women or men, whether it's pornography or immorality or adultery. And keep yourself from the love of money. Because God says, I will never fail you or forsake you. And I can confidently say, in verse 6, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That kind of frame of reference is exactly how we don't think. We have designed a comfortable Christian um, explanation for our behavior. All using Christian terms. We're all in favor of love. The sanctity. We'll fight at the national level for the sanctity of marriage, because we don't want those poofters being allowed to get married. No siree. Even though we do not keep our marriage is held in honor. So, what am I saying? Is there anything constant here? Because he wraps it back around when he says well, Remember your leaders, verse 7, those who spoke to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. It's one of those passages that, that when you're a pastor, you, want, you need to point it out to people, because this teacher was teaching it, whoever wrote Hebrews, and I should teach it, and you should teach it. You should be thinking this, just like all the other things, guarding your marriage, guarding your hospitality, guarding your love, guarding your views of money that you should be looking at the outcome of the life of the people that teach you. Really, what's it all about if it isn't the outcome of their life? Fame? Or really slick? You know, I, I, I kicked Tully and Shavidian around quite a bit recently, but he needs to be kicked down a flight of stairs. He not only was preaching nonsense... He was living badly with his wife. She had an affair. He then had an affair, revenge affair. And then it came out that he'd had a number of affairs and lied about it. Billy Graham's grandson. So, he has a lot of books out. He's got a new one coming out with David C. Cook, a major Christian publisher. And nobody's deciding not to publish it. Because his name on the cover will sell a lot of them. Because a lot of people, I don't know, how many of you knew that? What was going on with Tullian? I don't know him. I can't really say call him Tullian. Mr. Chavidian. Now Consider the outcome of their life. One of the problems with a world, I've been thinking a lot about this. So you don't have to think, this is a kind of social philosophy thing. I've, we're about social media and what it does to, I'm a kind of an existentialist in my framework, and I' big on the proximus now. In other words, right now, right here, and my connection to 600 close friends on Facebook has denied it starts to deny me the ability to see clearly what life is, which is here now, the person in front of me, you guys. And when we have, this was true when it was just newspapers, this was true when it was just telephones hooked to the wall, this was true with TVs. Things have dragged us away from our ability to measure the outcome of their life. When somebody's a famous writer for InterVarsity Press or Zondervan or whatever the publisher, I don't know how they live with their wife. If the teachers I listen to, I can't know how can I consider the outcome of their life. But we'd like to kind of look the other way. We'd like to believe the PR on the back of the book, the big picture, the smiling wife with the helmet hair, you know, that, that, that you know, lives out all of Christianity everywhere. We'd rather not do this so that we can have something else. But your life is at stake by who you listen to, and you should only be listening to somebody whose life turned out. I heard somebody telling somebody the other day that they didn't, someone didn't want to talk to us because we hadn't had problems. I was talking to Caitlin Carr. The world looks at people who've got it worked out and they go, yeah, you just haven't had problems, that's why you don't know what's going on. No, we knew what was going on we did the right thing, so we wouldn't have problems. So what's getting in the way? We're trying to design a comfortable, not intense Christian life. Wouldn't it be good if I could just go to all souls and not have him rag on me every week? Wouldn't it be great if he would if it, show me a prophet who prophesied beer and strong drink, and I'll show you a prophet for this people. What why couldn't I just be, you know, I do believe in a good cigar, I do believe in a good beer, but for heaven's sake, we've got stuff to do, and the stuff to do is unapologetically wonderful. There's love and there's hospitality and it's good, it's good things. Why would, we, why would we dumb it down? Why would we say, well, you know, I think that God is really in favor of my capitalism and my raw ambition, my desire to make a boatload of money. What's wrong with money? Mmm. The love of money has to do with your contentment. Well, why am I warning you about this? Because this is where false religion comes from. Okay? This is what I'm going to get at. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So you don't get to adjust this just because Edmund Burke or Adam Smith came along. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is well that the heart be strengthened by grace, not by foods. Okay? Which have not, been, not, which have not benefited their adherents. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Now, it's going to get a little, he's been arguing with these people, these Hebrew Christians, to keep them away from the Old Testament law. To keep them away from a worship that would be priestly and um, uh, reflective of their religion for the last 1400 years. He said these are strange and diverse teachings. And I know Christians today who are recommending a better life through better, more spiritual diet. Sometimes it's Jewish, and I misspelled Jewish here, I have Jewish Law. <laughs> and that's, that's just to, to show I'm humble. <laughs> or wrong. We're supposed to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. You're not supposed to be strengthened by how wonderful you felt during the worship service. You're supposed to be showing hospitality to strangers. Or not neglecting to show hospitality to strangers. You're supposed to be guarding your marriage. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Not waving one hand in the air. I don't know what kind of worship service you go to. I don't mind. There's nothing morally wrong with waving one hand in the air. Nothing wrong with walking down a long aisle with an organ playing. I don't think there's a problem wrong there. What are you doing, though? We are not strengthened by observance. We are not strengthened by earthly things that can be touched. We have not, don't have that kind of religion. We are strengthened by grace. That the heart be strengthened by grace, not by foods. You know, oddly enough, that's the kind of arena that Christians are recommending other Christians pick up from the law. Oh yeah, we don't believe in the sacrificial system anymore, but ha, huh, the dietary system, yes. Have not, they haven't done anything for you. Our Lord, you remember Jesus Christ, he belonged, started an ancient Near Eastern religion, that you've probably heard of, but haven't had much contact with. Um, it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. He's making, that's kind of elbowing his way between saying the priest's Don't have a right to this. We have a separate altar. And he's going to use the image out of the law. He says, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. I have the reference here out of Exodus 29. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. So the blood was taken into the, to the sacred place and anointed various things and they took the residue and burned it outside the camp. So he takes that image and wants you to think of it as a shadow of Jesus Christ. So, verse 12, Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. This has all been, yeah, the old covenant was something, but just not glorious. And the new covenant is something manifestly different. And just like the old covenant, they would burn the residue outside the gate. Christ died at Mount Calvary outside the gate as a sacrifice for sin. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp and bear the abuse he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city which is to come. Your basic, you know, what you've got to hitch up your uh, pants and deal with is that Christianity is a religion that is not always going to work out for you. I mean, it's going to always be Christianity. It will always bear the blessings of Christianity, but it doesn't have a promise of anything working out. It doesn't have a promise of history always going to going to win for the, for the followers of Jesus. Everyone likes to have some element, whether it's health and wealth gospel, whether it's post-millennialism, whatever it is where you think that we're going to win, some of you might die for Christ. Maybe not, this is Idaho, for heaven's sake. But, who knows who might kill us. There's a possibility of us bearing the abuse of our Lord. We don't have a lasting city We seek a city that is to come. Just like it says, we do not come to a mountain that can be touched. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come to Christ. Now, through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Now, that's why I thought that these admonitions, these Boy Scout oath things... You know, hospitality, love. Well, it wasn't just picking up all the loose pieces on the Christian ground at the end of the book. He was actually going along with his, this is how we worship. Because he says, let us give the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. He's saying, he said at the end of chapter 12, offer acceptable worship with reverence and all. This is what acceptable worship is. And it takes you not having your advancement and gain on your plate. So, not only is that the, seems to be the flow in this passage, but I wanted to say something that that's why earthly religion enters into Christianity. Because it's idolatry. Not because it's got icons and statues of Mary. That may be. But it's idolatry because it does the same thing. In Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, it lets us know, Ephesians, where's Ephesians? Ephesians 5, 5, be sure of this, that no immoral or impure man or one who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has any inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and of God. It says the same thing in Colossians. Covetousness, which is idolatry. So if I have a mind that is not in keeping with this love, hospitality, visiting the prisoner, maintaining the marriage, Relation to money. If I, those are all kind of signals. If you, with reverence and awe, examine those things, there, there is a kind of thing that your excuse about it is going to be because you have wants you're trying to meet. That's what we're about in life. We, we woke up first day in the hospital wanting, and we haven't stopped and we're trying to answer it. And we found out that if I have a few enough of those $10 bills with Hamilton on it, I can I can I can I mean, how many of you think that if you just had 10,000 more dollars per year, it would be fixed. Whatever it is, it would be fixed. Your life would be good. But money does do things. But where our heart is, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also when when we think That I need to resolve the situation. I need to protect my home. I need to be a responsible man. I shouldn't let strangers in because I've got to protect my wife. And I get all sorts of uh, you know masculinity before Christ, America before Christ, success before Christ. He doesn't deserve my love before Christ. Not looking for the kind of people that will show you success in holiness as pastors but those who show you success in this world is it surprising to you that people follow these men who are so awful it, that's what you know I know men are awful it surprises me that there will be tens of thousands of people sitting in an arena listening to them with their bibles open and a notebook said you're just awful let's write it down Because we all want that kind of awfulness. The helmet-haired wife, you know, the tony life, good, good housing. When you want, when you covet, you will become an idolater. Now, you might not go out to your backyard and make an altar to pale. Because you're a Christian, for heaven knows. But I will make an idolatrous Christianity. I will be much like Aaron in the desert going, this golden calf, this is the God that led you up out of the land of Egypt. I will define my depravity, my religious wanting. Because why do gods on earth, why do people worship them? Because that's how you get what you want. Well, That's why you make deals with your gods. You make sacrifices so he'll have to pay out. That's what that's what false gods do. That's what idolatry, even with the true God, functions like. It functions off your wants. We're in a different kind of covenant. We're in a different kind of grace. We serve a different kind of kingdom. We're not trying to build this success. If I you know, there's no crime to being successful. It's just my where my heart is regarding it. Not loving money. Not demanding that my happiness be in my success. We're trying to build something else. What the church should look like. Hospitable, loving, gracious to the persecuted, loyal to the marriages, valuing the kind of church that people should value, which is, is it pursuing holiness, not trend, not hipness, Obey your leaders and submit to them. It, leaders will often find that verse before they found the one back in seven. Because obey your leaders and submit to them. When it says that, does it mean it? You say, Wilson, I have your number. I suspect you. I know your family. I know what you're like. Power mad. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as men who will have to give an account. Let them do this joyfully, thank you, and not sadly, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, you say, that's just like got cult written all over it. Well, you would be saved from cult nonsense or just you know, obnoxious organized religion. If you went back to verse 7 and you picked those who taught you according to the outcome of their life, if they were righteous, if they were loving, if they were not domineering, if they had obedient children, their marriages were intact, you wouldn't be picking organized religion, successful religion, or cultish religion then you wouldn't be stuck with verse 17 telling you to obey that yahoo. If you picked a yahoo because you like that kind of nonsense going on in their life, wow, that's pretty impressive. He makes a lot of money. Then you've got to obey that leader. But of course, if you disobeyed seven, I suppose, you could always disobey 17. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you this sooner. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, that's not the old covenant, that is not the covenant of Moses or Abraham, it is the covenant of Jesus Christ, who was killed outside the city equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So easy to replace that with a religious performance model, all with Christian nomenclature. Do You think you're doing fine if you've got a really set of obligations from your church and it all uses the word Jesus and it's not weird Jesus like the LDS it's like really the Jesus you know Bethlehem all that we think we've got it made but we're making something else the Christian church today is not a bastion of doing that which is pleasing in his sight because they're not doing it through Jesus Christ they're not doing it through grace. They're, not doing, they're doing it through all sorts of other processes or all sorts of other programs that they think they can work you through. The program there in verses 1 through 7, that keeps you pretty busy. Just keeping your marriage where it's supposed to be will keep you pretty busy. Then you got, whenever you have a chance to show hospitality to strangers, loving each other, there's stuff to do but it's a different thing we do be warned about your own desire for success because in that covetousness in that wanting is religion that we think we can design to service and that's where idolatry came from and that's where fake christian religion can come from we want to serve our earthly interests not us in this earth waiting for the redemption serving our lord's interests the way he said let's thank god dear lord we are grateful thank you in your son's name amen